Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Detoxification, the Fountain of True Eternal Health podcast, a podcast about detoxification, nutrition, health, wellness, and that overall healthy lifestyle. In each episode, we discuss how detoxification cleans out the body at cellular level, how it supports it on the path to healing, and how it supports it on the path to vitality and optimal health. On the show, we believe in natural approaches to health and in natural medicine. And as everyone knows, natural medicine has been around for thousands of years. We don't subscribe to the use of any pharmaceuticals or chemical medicines or the treatment-based approach, such as radiation or the removal of organs, the removal of tissue. The show is hosted by yours truly. I'm Simone Gisondi. I'm a holistic nutritionist and a regenerative detoxification specialist, as well as a personal trainer. And this show is designed to educate, to empower and to teach people how to take charge of their health and to become truly alive again, mostly through detoxification and other lifestyle changes, of course. At the end of each episode, I will leave you all with tips, tools, and strategies that can be used and can be incorporated in your lives immediately so that you can, too, embark on the journey to vitality and a disease-free life. So, before we begin, let us get the disclaimer out of the way, only because it's necessary. So the contents of this podcast are based upon the opinions of myself and the participants. Please note that I am not a physician, a pharmacist, or a licensed healthcare professional. The information on this podcast is not intended as medical advice, nor is it intended to replace the care of a qualified medical healthcare professional. The podcast content is also not intended to diagnose or treat any diseases. Always consult with your primary care physician or licensed medical health care provider. They are the only ones that can provide diagnosis and treatment for any disease or conditions, for medications or medical advice, as well as before changing your health care regimen. So now that that's out of the way, let's talk about vaccines. And you're probably wondering, why do I want to do a podcast on vaccines? I mean, the whole social media world is saturated with things related to vaccines and all the fear-mongering stuff that comes out about outbreaks, about measles, about HPV, so on and so forth. But I felt compelled to do this podcast only because very recently, if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, you will probably have seen that a particular individual has actually targeted me uh, about a recent post that I made. I wanted to make sure that I emphasized I did not seek out this individual, but this individual did indeed come and comment on my post and from there proceeded to attack me, call me names and try to slander and defame me. Why? Clearly, it's because my view on vaccinations is actually not aligned with this person's views. So he proceeded to actually copy and paste or take screenshots of what I had actually posted and commented and posted on his feed. So I'm actually grateful for that because that's actually great exposure. I'm happy that his network actually got to see me and perhaps will visit my profile to see exactly what I'm all about and to see that I believe only in natural holistic health. I wanted to emphasize also from the get-go that actually my kids are fully vaccinated. So I don't consider myself an anti-vaxxer per se, although I do want to say that I am against vaccines, but I'm actually an ex-vaxxer. So there's a huge difference between those things. And I wanted to actually explain and bring clarity and shed some light as to why that's the case. 
prior to my studies uh, in holistic health, <clears throat> and that includes um, nutrition as well as detoxification and iridology, I actually was fully engaged into the allopathic mainstream medicine, and I believed that people in that industry had my best, uh, my best, that had good intentions in my my healthcare at at heart and that of my children. So, of course, I vaccinated my children and proceeded to follow exactly what the pediatricians were recommending at the specific times that they were recommended. Luckily, my children are old enough now that they were spared having to go through the rigorous schedule that is now in place and mandatory. I was actually able to escape a couple of the vaccines that my children were supposed to get at particular times um, along their progression. <clears throat> However, the beginning when they were babies, um, I followed rigorously the exact vaccination schedule that the pediatrician was pushing. So I wanted to get that out of the way. And there is a story behind this whole thing, because when one of my children reached a certain age, he was actually threatened to be expelled from school because I refused to have him vaccinated against HPV. I'll get to that later. <clears throat> but before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about vaccines, but in particular about the immune system, because the whole point of vaccines is actually to boost the immune system. So while the intentions are actually positive, it's actually very misguided and it's executed in a very poor way that's not really conducive to health in the way that people should actually have. So the utmost important thing about vaccines <clears throat> is what actually happens to the immune system and what happens to the immune system at cellular level when the vaccine is introduced to the body. So let's look in more in depth at that. Let's look at the science and the anatomy of the immune system. The immune system is not an actual tangible system the way, let's say, that um, <clears throat> the cardiovascular system or the lymphatic system is, where you can actually touch cells or fluids that can actually make it a tangible system. The immune system is not one that's physical. It can't be touched. It can be felt. <clears throat> it actually resides in many places in the body. It's a team effort. The immune system can be in the skin in the bone marrow, in the thymus, in the lymphatic vessels, in the spleen, in the mucous membranes. So it's really everywhere, and it works together to keep people from getting sick. It has two branches in particular. The first branch is called the cell-mediated immune system. If you're talking to a doctor, they refer to that as TH1. This particular branch actually responds to invaders. And what it does is recruits the white blood cells that have the specific role and job of digesting and eliminating the invaders in the body. And they do that through certain and various elimination channels that are available to the body. Sort of like how we eat food, we digest and eliminate the waste. The process is sort of the same. It follows certain steps for that to happen. The second branch of the immune system is the humoral immunity. And that's known as TH2 in the medical industry. It has nothing to do with humor. I mean, I'm sure that the, the name implies that, but it definitely has nothing to do with, with humor or jokes. What is called a humoral immunity is actually just the body's natural response to the invaders, which is to make antibodies. So the job of this second branch of the immune system is to make antibodies. 
And what these antibodies do, they actually remember which specific invaders have been present in the body before so that they can give us long-term immunity from them. So what we call sickness, which is really nothing more than symptoms, actually originates from the reactions of our immune system activity. And really, really a little of it, marginally actually, has to do with the actual invaders themselves. So during childhood, when we come in contact with bugs, sort of like viruses associated with things like the chicken pox or measles, rubella, things like that, and we have no antibody memory of a previous encounter with that particular virus, what happens is both branches of the immune system actually spring into action. So the first one, the first branch, the cell-mediated branch, it goes to work to digest the microbes, which causes the symptoms that we call being sick. So when the cell-mediated system or the cell-mediated branch goes to work, we start to feel symptoms. We start to feel flu-like symptoms. We feel cough, we feel fatigue, we feel might have a fever, things like that, aches and pains. And what the humoral branch does, that second branch, is it takes a snapshot of the virus's DNA and it goes to work to make antibodies against it. The invaders and other toxic wastes are promptly eliminated through what is known as expectoration. And expectoration is things like a runny nose, a cough, things like that, uh, rashes, diarrhea. It's mostly the body trying to eliminate or detoxify itself and taking it out through the channels of elimination. A runny nose, obviously there's an exit out of the body. The nose is an exit out of the body. A cough comes out through the mouth. The same thing, the mouth is an exit out of the body. Rashes come on the skin. Clearly that's also an exit out of the body. That's why we also sweat. And diarrhea comes through the colon, which is also an exit out of the body. Makes sense, right? So the body is trying to detoxify. These symptoms um, are the cleansing part of the immune system. And this is what it does in its fight to keep us healthy. The process actually should be embraced if you really think about it. But what do people typically do? And what have doctors taught us or conditioned us to think? That we are supposed to suppress these symptoms, which are nothing more than the body trying to detoxify and clean itself out. So people typically run to the doctor to take something, to stop the cough, to stop the diarrhea, to get a cream on that for that rash. We never actually hesitate to remove garbage from our house. So why do we try to stop the body from removing garbage out of itself? It's a similar thing. Preventing the body from removing the invaders, in essence, is actually forcing the body to leave the garbage inside. That's a huge mistake. Huge, huge, huge. So as the detoxing or cleansing process is underway, which is what we call feeling sick, because we are feeling sick, like I said, the coughing, the diarrhea, the runny nose, the fever... The second branch, which is the humoral immunity branch, is actually very busy manufacturing those important antibodies so that it can remember that particular invader that is making us sick in case it comes again or in case you come in contact again. So 
to put it in other words, let's say you get the chicken pox, your body makes the antibodies for it, it tries to eliminate and it succeeds in eliminating that particular virus. And that's done through the coughing, through the rashes, through the fever, through the diarrhea. And those antibodies that have been produced by that second branch of the immune system will remain inside. And next time this particular individual comes in contact with a person that has the chicken pox, the immune system will spring into action and that's why you don't get sick again because now you have immunity against it. That's called natural immunity. So this is actually nature's whole point of natural illness in kids. Okay, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. Short-term illness, because we call it illness, the coughing, the fever, all of that. It's, it's, it's a sickness. It's an illness. But it's actually just symptoms. And what it does is it actually improves long-term health. The most crucial point here is that one cannot be a healthy adult without having gone through some of the process of sickness in childhood. And what the body does in its infinite wisdom, or nature for that matter, if you want to call it that, is it actually produces the sickness early on to prepare the body for health later on in life. So it tries to build all things and it tries to develop all things necessary for health long term. And this is exactly how it works in pregnancy. If you want to do a comparison, it takes time for certain organs and certain systems to develop for the baby to be ready to be born into the world. And the same way, the immune system produces what it actually needs to produce to ensure that the body is healthy long term. So personally, and thankfully, I've had the privilege of having all my childhood illnesses out of the way, the natural way, by getting them from another child, not from a syringe that contains a whole bunch of other things like heavy metals, uh, aborted fetal cells, animal tissues, formaldehyde, crap like that. So I was able to build the immunity the natural way, which is the best way to do it. So to deny a child that opportunity that I had, grateful for that, so to deny a child the opportunity to be sick the natural way and then expect them to be healthy when they're adults is like, let's say, walking into the government office and asking the person working there to give you your driver's license without ever doing anything to really earn it. The same way, health is earned. You don't get it from a syringe. You don't bypass certain steps. It's earned through consistent healthy eating, um, consistent healthy lifestyle habits that are in harmony with the body and with its functions. It's earned through consistent things like physical exercise, even as children going out to play, being able to get fresh air, being able to get sunshine. It's earned through being close to nature, uh, through positive balanced emotions and thoughts. So it's the, the job of parents to encourage children, to empower them. The immune system is sort of like our muscles. <clears throat> This is another comparison. It was created to, to work and be strong, but it can only get stronger if it is given what it needs and if it's allowed to work as designed instead of being forced and altered through the use of chemical drugs. Think about it. If you work out like I do, you will know that muscles will atrophy 
or they will get small and weak if you don't work them consistently on a regular basis. So that's exactly how it works with the immune system. It's going to get weak if it's not given the opportunity to work as designed and it's not allowed to work on a consistent basis by coming in contact with things so that it can take that snapshot of the DNA to make antibodies against it. So let's consider now what actually happens to the body and to the immune system when the experience of illness is forced via the vaccine instead of allowing it to happen organically and naturally the way it actually should. Vaccines produce very very little of that cell-mediated reaction. And this is done intentionally. So that first step is actually removed. So why is it done intentionally? Well, remember what I said, the cell-mediated symptoms, which are looked at as sickness, and that's the rash, the coughing, the fever, the diarrhea, that's looked at as sickness. People don't want to feel sick. So vaccines were made to make people feel well. Who wants to get sick? The objective of the vaccine is to produce just that, that snapshot of the, the DNA of the invader, to produce that memory. So it doesn't actually allow the body to produce the cell-mediated sickness response. It skips that step. So that's basically, in very simple terms, what vaccines do. They take that first step, they remove it, they go straight to the second step. So the sickness is actually intentionally removed and it's my belief that that was done just so that people can accept vaccines more readily. The problem is that vaccines actually end up making people very, very sick. Some people are actually irreversibly sick. Think of those young girls, and I'm sure that if you're on social media, you have seen things like this or even on YouTube. Those young girls who fell into comas after getting the HPV vaccines. Are they not sick? How about those kids that ended up regressing and they ended up on the autism spectrum after being vaccinated? Are they also not sick? And how about those kids that ended up seizing? So they had seizures, convulsions after being vaccinated. Are they also not sick? So I'm going to digress here for a second, but I wanted you to know that to avoid being held accountable for these sicknesses, the pharmaceutical industry was able to actually buy itself blanket immunity. There's no pun intended here. So the pharmaceutical industry was able to buy itself blanket immunity from liability back in 1986. And how did it get this? Well, it got it from the government. It lobbied the government to prevent people from suing it. So the one that didn't ask anyone to agree to any of this, that government actually approved this for the pharmaceutical industry. And now nobody can actually go and sue the pharmaceutical industries for damages, injuries, deaths, and so on. But billions upon billions of dollars have been paid out to families of vaccine injured and killed children. So what they did is they created the Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund since its inception. So lawsuits are not allowed, but they do have this compensation fund in place because corporations only really care about money and they are able to better regulate how much money is being paid out by having this compensation fund. So let's go back to vaccines and the immune system. Again, as I said at the beginning, this is just my opinion about vaccines and I'm talking from my personal experiences and what I have had to witness 
and my view on things is from what I've read and I have formulated my own opinions and my own thoughts on it and this is all that I'm actually uh, putting out there right now. So the main problem that I have with vaccines or the mere idea of them really for that matter is that injecting anyone, especially (laughs) vulnerable young tiny little infants and children, injecting them with toxic and carcinogenic chemicals such as formaldehyde or heavy metals, animal tissues and aborted fetal cells that don't really belong in the human body, um, as well as even weakened viruses by forcing those into the body instead of allowing them to naturally come in contact with the body. And doing this while preventing the reaction necessary for them to be eliminated This is the highest level of insanity, in my opinion, insanity, the highest level of insanity known to science since the beginning of science, really. So it's a well-known fact that the cell-mediated immune system is the only way to safely and naturally eliminate invaders and toxins, and the body does that very easily, and it's programmed, and it knows how to do this with ease. So it's no wonder that children get injured, they get poisoned, killed by this intervention, and nobody even questions it, especially doctors. It's also no wonder that the pharmaceutical industry needs immunity from the liability, and they also need a National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, just so that it can continue to manufacture what it thinks helps the immune system. But truly, as I've explained earlier, the process of it, the scientific process of the immune system, I think clearly indicates that the immune system actually does not need help whatsoever. So the buildup of microorganisms and chemical toxins is really literally the point of the vaccine. Okay, so it yields an antibody response. Of course, when something is introduced into the body that is an invader and it's foreign to the body, the body responds. And what actually springs into action? It's always the immune system. You have an immune response. And the immune system will actually also remember the encounter with the invader. But it does that at a very steep price when vaccines are involved. So I'm not going to even mention the innumerable injured and killed children that were treated as human experiments, really, by the pharmaceutical industry, because science is a progressive thing. It's not something that is uh, carved in stone. It actually, all these scientists are actually producing things that are put out on the market, and then they are able to see organically, again, no pun intended, exactly how the body responds to what they put out on the market. So it's a shame that not enough studies are being done and it's not tested adequately to be able to guarantee that these can safely be taken without any injury and without any adverse effects. So the question is, if all of these children were injured, some of them were killed, some of them have uh, seizures and convulsions, and they were treated as human experiments by the pharmaceutical industry, Why did the autism rates or even other chronic diseases, uh, why did they start going high? I mean, they've skyrocketed since the vaccine schedule was increased to its current dose of, I think it's 60 or something of that. I'm not going to, don't quote me on that because I don't know, but I know that it's, it's quite up there right now. I haven't really kept up with it because I've actually put my attention on what exactly is in vaccines, whether it's one, whether it's 60, whether it's 120, 
who cares? You are not supposed to inject something foreign into the body, whether it's once or 120 times. So the price of it is obviously the fact that people have gotten sick, and I'm not talking about children, but you will also see this in adults. And this price is the serious, the serious chronic diseases that are seen in adulthood. So it clearly defies all logic, but vaccine makers design vaccines to activate that second step that I was talking about earlier, the humoral uh, immune system, and they skip the first step altogether. So did they not see that whole entire slew of chronic adult illnesses that are now labeled as autoimmune, that they are linked to high antibody levels and the lack of inadequate cell-mediated response? So what are those, I guess, autoimmune or chronic illnesses, whatever you want to call them, there are given many, many different names, but those are things like cancer, arthritis, asthma, lupus, eczema, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, type 1 diabetes, and that's just a few because that list grows exponentially and new diseases, and I use that very loosely, continue to be discovered by science. Not too long ago, so here's the story that I was talking about earlier. Not too long ago, I had to fight for one of my children to continue to have access to his education in Canada, which is a country that prides itself for being the true North, strong and free. So much for freedom. I received a letter from his school threatening to expel him for not receiving the uh, HPV vaccine. I believe it was called Gardasil. So at that time, this is typically given to kids when they become uh, teenagers. So it's during early adolescence at a time when he was not sexually active. So it really made me stop and ponder why is such a vaccine being offered to somebody who's not sexually active, especially since HPV is sexually transmitted. So it drove me to go deeper into the literature available online. So this was actually a good opportunity for me to learn more about it. So it happened for a reason, because I wanted to research the safety and the efficacy of that particular vaccine before I decided whether it was something worth investing in or not. So I was horrified at what I uncovered. And that's a gross understatement, gross understatement. So I learned that a lot of vaccines are actually rushed to the market without adequate testing, like I was saying earlier, and without adequate education to the doctors and the nurses or the people in schools where they come and they do these vaccines, where they administer them to the children. I was actually fascinated in particular by a study that I found that was published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. And I encourage you to look it up so that you too can learn what it's all about. So this particular study, the authors provided uh, I mean, proved that children suffering from asthma have an imbalance in their cell-mediated and humoral immunity. So there was an imbalance between the Th1 and the Th2, and this is more obviously more medical, more clinical, but there was an imbalance in those two responses from the immune system. So there was emphasis actually on the humoral or the antibody-producing part of the immune system and the complete absence of the cell-mediated system, which is that first step that I was telling you, they skip altogether. So clearly, this particular study is completely congruent with the trends that we have seen in the past century. As has been observed since the arrival of vaccines on the market, and I'm sure everybody has seen 
And if anybody takes just a few minutes to to do a little bit of research on Google, they will see that the prevalence of chronic inflammatory disease and conditions of suppressed immunity, such as cancer and all that stuff, uh, and all those other autoimmune conditions, increased significantly since vaccines were introduced. So I'm not going to blame it solely on vaccines because that would be wrong. Uh, Other factors like uh, nutritional habits or lifestyle habits, uh, stress, emotional trauma, all these things actually contribute to disease and all of these things contribute to poor health. But that does not mean that vaccines do not because that cell-mediated system that is skipped contributes to the prevalence of these diseases. So many would say that I'm biased because I was lucky enough to get natural immunity. And yes, I was lucky enough to get natural immunity. But the incident that I, that I, was, that I came face-to-face with with my son's school made me such a devoted advocate. And that's when I started to get much more involved with this whole vaccine thing, especially because my second child is going to be going through that same thing. So I wanted to continue to bring forth that message. um, And I wanted for people to know what I've encountered so that they too can make an informed decision when they come face to face with such an incident. I'm a big believer that we absolutely have to and must, and it's crucial that we respect natural immunity and nature's wisdom, especially since before the introduction of vaccines, the body was very efficient and very able to defend itself and to eliminate things that were threatening to health. The only thing that was actually necessary at that time, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because I know that many of the naysayers will say, well, how come the death rates were so high? It was actually hygiene that had to improve. And this, again, is also scientifically proven. So I encourage anybody who wants to do more research, it's all out there if you dig deep. So I wanted to emphasize at this point, I'm not here to make anybody's decision about whether or not to vaccinate. So I'm just stating my opinion and of course I have I have made my decision based on what information I came face to face with, uh, based on the information that I've learned when I went to school for nutrition as well as for detoxification. I respect how personal that decision is for anybody and that's not a decision that should be made lightly. So I implore you, make an informed decision about this. Look at the vaccine insert go and look at the CDC website. They actually outline and list all the ingredients in every single vaccine. When you come face-to-face with your doctors, whether it's with your family doctor or the pediatrician that takes care of, uh, of your children, ask as many questions as you can. Feel at peace with your decision. Talk to other parents. Become part of a community that has actually gone through this so that they can provide information, real-life information, rather than just something that's written down somewhere. Uh, you can also go and read medical journals. They're all out there. Uh, you can also look at YouTube videos so that you could see what people have to say. And another thing that I found uh, was of great benefit to me, and I'm very grateful to Ty and Charlene, uh, The Truth About Vaccines. That was actually a great series where they had Um, MDs, so physicians came and talked uh, about some of the things that they've come across in their practices. They also had politicians on the show 
that talked about how they were affected uh, and their loved ones were affected by by vaccines. And this is not this is not just about the children. It's also the elderly, our elderly parents who have to take flu, vac flu vaccines when their immune system is already compromised. Those are also things that you have to take into account, or at least talk to those loved those loved ones in your family that should know this information. So for me, as for me, I believe that the best alternative to any vaccine is just a healthy diet, a healthy mind, and a healthy lifestyle. Good, clean, and natural nutrition will support the body because it will give it all that it needs so that it can keep its health up. Um, vitamins, antioxidants, minerals, things like that that the body utilizes to feed itself. Every cell is an entity in itself. It needs to eat, it needs to be hydrated, it needs oxygen, and it needs to eliminate just like we do. So every single cell is like a body in itself. If it has what it needs, it will stay healthy. If it's deficient in something, be it nutrition, be it oxygen, be it water, be it that it's backed up with, uh, with waste, it will get sick, it will mutate, it will turn to cancer, so on and so forth. So it's very important that we get the nutrients that we need. That's what's going to keep us healthy. It's important that you don't introduce toxins into the body, things that are typically done through the use of recreational drugs, through the use of um, smoking, things of that matter. So these are the things that actually play a key role in regulating the immune response a healthy lifestyle, a healthy diet. And don't forget that sunshine. And that's part of the lifestyle. The immune system really needs vitamin D. And the vitamin D is actually made through the use of sunshine. So let's now talk about how we can detox from vaccines. I'm sure that if you know anybody or if you have yourself or anybody in your family have had to take vaccines and had any adverse reactions to them, there is something that you can do. And I'm going to outline a few steps on how to detox from vaccines. Before we get to that, let's talk about what's in vaccines. In particular, flu shots, which are given to us every year around the time when flu season comes. <clears throat> and that typically happens here in Canada when it gets cold and we don't get sunshine. So just as I said a few minutes ago, vitamin D is crucial for a healthy immune system. Vitamin D is gotten from sunshine and when there is no sunshine available, vitamin D levels plummet. So very, very important that you get sunshine as much as you can. Flu shots are usually deployed around the time when there is no vitamin D because that's when people start to get sick. And what I mean by get sick is symptoms of the body starting to detox start to come to light. So people start to get sick, the body aches, the fevers. It's all just the body trying to eliminate things like toxins out of it. Because when it gets cold, the alkalinity of the cold actually forces the body into that phase of detoxification. And I could talk in more depth about this, but that's typically what happens. So there's a huge correlation between sunshine and when flu vaccines are deployed. So What's in flu shots? Well, about 50,000 parts per billion of mercury. So 
this actually made me stop and think about it because you see all kinds of ads. You walk into a pharmacy and it says you could get your flu vaccine here. You go to the doctor's offices, they could give you flu, flu vaccines there. If you go to a hospital, they can give, give you the flu vaccine there. So flu vaccines are available for everyone anywhere and indiscriminately. So it made me wonder how much thought actually goes into this because if I was to walk into a pharmacy with my child, who is clearly much younger, smaller in size and stature than me, they would actually administer the same vaccine to me, to, let's say, one of my elderly parents and to my child, despite the fact that I personally had a stroke, so that's not taken into account, despite the fact that my son might have something that is not taken into account, despite the fact that my elderly parents might have something that may not be taken into account, like let's say had cancer, immunosuppressed. Those things are not even taken into account. They are just administered in, indiscriminately because they think that that's the way to prevent the flu. So why are some kids severely harmed and even killed by vaccines? And I do encourage you to do a Google search to look at the images so you can get a real visual of what can actually happen. You will see rashes that will defy all logic of how the body can actually respond in that way. So it would be a really good way for you to start your education on what can happen, some of the adverse effects of vaccines. Um, and also during that whole swine flu hysteria, which was mass hysteria, when they administered vaccines, in Europe, it actually caused permanent brain damage in thousands of kids. And that's across Europe. And also the HPV vaccine. When I did my research, I remember seeing people uploading videos on YouTube that showed girls in comas. Some even have died. Heartbroken parents that were pleading with other parents to really look into this particular uh, vaccine. Uh, we've seen deaths, hospitalizations, seizures. And of course, Nobody can forget the great whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson, when he revealed um, all the uh, information about the link to autism, the link between vaccines and autism. And of course, there were videos, there were movies that were released. Um, Robert De Niro is actually very heavily involved in this. Um, Jenny McCarthy, another actress that's also heavily involved because their loved ones were actually uh, injured by vaccines, so they are activists. That's another That's another thing that you should look into before you make your decision. You want to hear from as many people, and those are real-life um, incidents that you can learn from. So there can actually be a genetic predisposition from being... Um, to being unable to clear out the vaccine chemicals. So it's not really the vaccines that we should have issue with themselves. The weakened virus that's injected into the body is not as detrimental as the other crap that's included in them. Clearly, the body needs to come face to face with the virus to be able to take that snapshot of its DNA to be able to produce the antibodies. So that typically doesn't do anything to the body because it's just a virus and the body is uh, used to coming in contact with viruses. However, when you t take a look at things like formaldehyde, aborted fetal cells, uh, animal tissues, um, mercury, and you're not going to find it outlined as mercury, it's typically identified as thimerosal. Those are the things that actually do damage to the body. 
So that's what makes them become extremely toxic. That's what causes brain damage. That's what causes seizures. That's what causes the comas, the deaths. And it's the chemical adjuvants. And these are intentionally added to the vaccines by the manufacturers. These are the things that are not tested for safety. So these adjuvants are put into solutions. If you want to do research on this too, they're put into solutions that's injected into placebo groups when when they do their so-called studies. And that's done to ensure that the group doesn't show any more side effects than the placebo group, which in itself is really quite fraudulent because studies should be done with integrity, free of corruption. So, of course, this is all my opinion that I'm, I'm voicing here. The rest of the healthcare industry, along with the vaccine industry, it's just a business. It wants profits. It does not want health or healthy people. It's a business that's completely okay with harming people. And I say this because I know what I had to go through when I navigated the healthcare system here in Canada as a patient when I had my stroke. Think of it this way. If vaccines or let's like let's not even talk about vaccines. Let's take let's talk about the medication that people take. If the medication or the vaccines make you actually healthy, if it heals you, How do drug companies continue to make billions of dollars a year? Doesn't it make you realize that they actually need people to be sick and to stay sick so that they continue to take all of these medications? There really is never any way that you can heal. If you have to, if you get a prescription from your doctor and it says repeat three times, it should make you question just how efficient or just how efficacious that particular medication is if it needs to be refilled for months or years, right? So vaccines become toxic because they contain all this crap like aluminum, like mercury, which, as I said, is in the form of thimerosal. They also contain MSG, which is monosodium glutamate. This is a neurotoxin, just like formaldehyde. It's also a neurotoxin. Animal tissues, they don't belong in the body. Aborted fetal fetal cells, that's almost cannibalism. I mean, who puts human tissue into their body? Makes no sense whatsoever. So I encourage you to search the vaccine constituents. Go to the CDC website. You will find all the information there. Do a research and find all the constituents of vaccines and go line by line to see exactly what is in the vaccine that you're considering getting for yourself or for your loved ones in your family. So in order for someone to get a a vaccine, their body has to be able to clear out the deadly toxins that are added to the vaccine. So only those people should actually be taking vaccines. If you're super healthy and you're confident that your body or the body of your loved ones in your family can clear out those added toxins, great, go get the vaccine. But if you're not sure, and a great majority of people, especially here in North America, are not, because as we know, a lot of people are sick, a lot of people suffer with chronic autoimmune diseases, a lot of people um, are very toxic from the crap that they eat, because the food supply as well as the water supply is also full of toxins. So most people are actually not well equipped to get these toxins into their body because they're not equipped to clear them out. So let's talk about this particular Gardasil, 
vaccine that my son was also supposed to take uh, when he was younger at about, he was in about grade eight, grade nine. So if you look at the insert, which I did, so these, this vaccine is given to young boys and young girls to protect them against HPV. The insert itself says that, so it, it warns you that you can lose consciousness, that you can pass out, that you could fall down and hurt yourself. So it puts that, that disclaimer out there so that they are not held liable. Basically, if you read that insert, you will know that that may happen if you get that vaccine. Very simple. So it warns you. So that made me stop and think. If you can lose consciousness, it obviously affects your neurology. So if this vaccine is actually intended to protect you against HPV, which manifests in the reproductive organs, why would it affect your brain? <laughs> so this is where autism comes in. When the child's body cannot clear the toxic adjuvants and they stay in the system, sort of like how mercury, which is thimerosal, it typically bonds to the receptors in the body. So the aluminum stays in, the MSG stays in, the formaldehyde. They continue to cause damage. So that's how autism happens because the body cannot clear it out fast enough. That's how these whole things that you would see on YouTube about these girls who fell into comas, clearly their neurology is being affected. So it has to make you wonder that these vaccines actually affect different areas of the body that we are not equipped to deal with yet. And actually, even the medical industry does not know. And think of it this way, once you've injected something in the body, there's no way to take it out. So that's another little bit of food for thought. On the other hand, other children who have stronger, cleaner bodies, they have the ability to clear all of this out easily. So if you or your children take a vaccine, the question that should pop into your mind is, how do I support my body's ability or how do I support my child's body's ability to clear out these toxic adjuvants that are intentionally additive vaccines? Most people can actually adequately clear out these toxins to be able to function properly, but they need to have good hydration, good mineralization, and all of these are obtained through foods through supplements, if necessary, and through adequate hydration. So a lot consuming a lot of water for the body to be able to flush things out. So for those that cannot adequately clear these out, that's where they have the damage. And that's why vaccines don't cause noticeable harm in every child that gets them. Because there are some who can clear it out, there are some who cannot. So they cause noticeable harm and death and brain damage, the vaccines that is, in a relatively small percentage of the children who receive them. But how do you know whether your children are part of that percentage, the small percentage who does get affected by the vaccines or not? It's sort of like Russian roulette. You never know. You're taking a chance. So if you inject a million kids, this is, let's do the math here. If you inject a million kids with a particular vaccine, there might be, let's say, a thousand of them who have noticeable neurological damage. And that can be measured and quantified. So now you have one of a thousand, and if you do the math again, a thousand out of a million is one in a thousand. And this is not an actual number, but I'm just giving it as a 
as an example here. So how do you clear out these toxic adjuvants and the heavy metal mercury? You have to mineralize. If the body has adequate minerals and adequate um, vitamins, it will be able to clear things out. So that takes me back to a good nutritional habit. If you have good, adequate nutrients that go into the body, the body is strong, the body is healthy, it is better equipped to be able to clear things out. And that's why it's important to not eat things that actually are detrimental to health, the things that are nothing but empty calories with not as much nutrition. So let's go back to mineralization. Mercury competes with zinc for its ability to bind with receptor sites in the body. And I'm talking about receptor sites even in nerve cells, in organs, in blood, like really everywhere in the body. So if mercury competes with zinc, if you're low in zinc, mercury can actually become more toxic to the body because it's being absorbed in more places. So then one way that I say you can clear out uh, toxicity from vaccines is to take more zinc and do this, especially on the days leading up to taking these vaccines. So if you know that your child or loved one is due for a vaccine, I say take a lot of zinc before you go, build up the zinc reserves in the body and that way you have that uh, added safety net against the adverse effects of vaccines. However, zinc can also be toxic if you take too much. This is where the confusion comes in. So it's better not to get, in my opinion, it's better not to get the vaccine because if you're going to take too much zinc to protect yourself against the vaccine, but you take too much, now you're toxic in zinc. And again, it becomes much more difficult to try to deal with so much toxicity. Now you're toxic in zinc and now you're going to get toxic chemicals added in the vaccines into the body as well. So you have to take zinc in reasonable quantities. So don't take a whole bottle of zinc thinking that you have to build up your reserves. That's definitely not um, advisable. And I would say work with somebody that can take into account uh, things from your medical history that can advise you on what you need to do. Um, other minerals that are needed to help the body clear out the mercury. And of course, the other adjuvants that are added to the vaccines that don't belong into the body. And again, that's why I push a good clean diet. Um, these minerals are made up of organic raw, are, are found in organic raw produce. So very important to eat these as much as possible. The enzymes and the, the minerals that are present in these foods, the organic raw produce, so basically fruits and vegetables, these are all left intact. You have not exposed them to heat to alter their chemistry. You have not exposed them to heat to alter their energy. They're all intact. The body can actually absorb them. They're bioavailable. So it's important that nutrition is made up primarily of that. And that's for yourself, for your loved ones, for children, for elderly. Everybody can benefit from this kind of a diet. Another really beneficial thing that you can do is to maybe take sulfur. This helps the body detox through the metabolic pathways that are programmed in the body. And they're actually programmed even in the DNA. So get the sulfur into the body. And, and how do you get it? What are some of the sources? You're probably wondering, where do I get sulfur from? Sure, also from nutrition. 
things like garlic. Um, you can also take MSM supplements if you want. Turmeric is also a great source of it as well. And what's great about turmeric is that it actually kills many birds with that one stone. Uh, it reduces inflammation. Um, it's obviously going to provide the sulfur. But one thing about turmeric is to ensure that it's uh, bioavailable and properly absorbed. It has to be taken with black pepper. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to be as beneficial as it would be if taken with black pepper. So make sure that you keep that in mind. And you're probably wondering, why are you recommending turmeric? <clears throat> well, think about it. What is the first thing that vaccines do in the body? They create inflammation. And typically, inflammation is the first immune response. The body inflames before it does any, otherwise we would die. So that's typically the first response of the body, infla uh, inflammation. And because turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory, that is why I recommend that you take it. So the adjuvants are obviously designed to cause inflammation and um, the, they also cause neurological damage, the inflammation in the brain. So people who have the, an, an over-excitatory response to the adjuvants that obviously induces inflammation because that's the first response of the body, the turmeric actually helps alleviate that. It's been tested. I mean, there's scientific proof and you can also Google this, do some research on it. Um, so it is an anti-inflammatory. It's, uh, it's the only thing that can help you, the only natural thing that will help you with um, inflammation. Um, another great one is also ginger. I would say about a quarter spoon, quarter tablespoon of turmeric powder uh, that you can put in, in your anything that you drink, whether it's tea, whether it's uh, a juice, whether it's a smoothie. Um, this is a great way that you can get it in. I typically juice it. I, I mix it with, um, with a little bit of ginger and some lemon and I add hot water to that and that's typically my tea for the day. Um, I recommend getting it fresh, but it's uh, definitely uh, more time consuming to juice that versus taking it in powder form. But fresh, of course, everything is intact. It hasn't been dried. So you're getting more bioavailable nutrients out of it. Other things that can help defend against the damage uh, from vaccines, I would say high vitamin C. So again, this takes us back to nutrition. Eat lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, um, because this vitamin C can really, 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 really help you. Okay. If you think about it, if you talk to a dentist and the ones that take out mercury fillings, that's the one thing that they actually, and I found this through my own research, they actually recommend uh, this particular thing, vitamin C, uh, before they take out the mercury fillings. So it's a preventatory measure that is taken to make sure that you don't have, uh, you don't get sick. So that's why you should do it overall. Uh, another thing, lots of vitamin D. And of course, we talked about how this is uh, produced in the body uh, with the use of sunshine, but it's hard to get it in places like where I am, especially in the dead of winter when we don't have a lot of sunshine. And even in the spring, there's a lot of rain, so not a lot of sunshine. So I would say, sure, take supplements to make sure that you get that vitamin D level up. And I know it's called vitamin D. It's actually a hormone. Um, and you know, the immune system can get all the help it needs. So if you can take it as a supplement, go ahead and do. Um, it's crucial for the immune system. And the immune system is obviously an incredible natural technology. 
uh, and def- it's the defense system of the body. So it has to be strong. It needs what it needs so that it can stay strong to protect you. Even though vaccine chemicals are not considered pathogens, um, there are portions of the immune system's genetic code that can actually be activated by vitamin D that can help eliminate even chemicals from the body. So it's not just the pathogens that the immune system eliminates because you're thinking viruses, those are pathogens. The immune system can actually identify and eliminate things like um, heavy metals, So the immune system, it has many functions beyond just bacteria and viruses. Um, Clearly, the immune system is the first thing that reacts when anything enters the body that's not supposed to be there. You also should reduce your exposure to toxic substances in the meantime. So before you get vaccinated or any of your loved ones get vaccinated, I say avoid things like uh, fried foods which are very detrimental to the body. Um, burnt foods, so if they're, they're fried to a crisp, hence that whole thing, you know, crispy chicken, or um, even burnt foods that are burnt on the barbecue. Um, when they char and they get that dark, that, that black stuff, that's carcinogenic. Um, if it's not for children and it's actually for you or anybody elderly, uh, I would say don't consume alcohol. Um, before you get a vaccine, um, I would say avoid Tylenol um, and any painkillers. Those are actually very toxic to the liver. The liver is already burdened from the onslaught of poor diets, uh, and this just adds way more burden to the to the liver. And typically, most people have um, overburdened and sluggish livers to begin with. So definitely avoid any kind of drugs. Um, And if you need to, take licorice root because it protects the liver and any bitter things like dandelion roots or uh, dandelions for that matter, even the the flowers themselves, any bitter herbs are actually really great for the liver. Um, What other things can we do before we're vaccinated? Well, if you have a clean and healthy lifestyle overall, and I'm talking about getting adequate sleep, uh, adequate rest, you can actually... And of course, the, the, the good diet and the good hydration, you can easily eliminate these toxins. It's only those that are compromised already, those that are sick already, like, for example, children that already have diabetes or, or cancer or things like that. Those that are critically damaged by these vaccines are those people. Those people are already compromised. And that's why you have such a high number of children damaged by them. Many of the children would be protected if they had healthier diets, especially even if the moms had healthier diets when they were breastfeeding, uh, healthier diets during pregnancy, um, diets that contain nutrients um, that that bring forward all the nutrients needed for the body to utilize to stay healthy. Uh, good hydration, no junk. It's usually the junk that kids take in, <laughs> typically, But that's because they are exposed to the junk and they are allowed by their parents to eat it and they are given junk to the children as treats, things like that. Yeah, definitely that has to be out of the diet. That shouldn't be allowed, especially when you're considering doing uh, vaccination. So when the body is working so hard to eliminate the toxins that come in every day and they come in from many things like polluted air, polluted food, polluted water, How can the body now handle more toxins from the vaccines? Well, the metabolic resources that actually support the detox uh, and the eliminatory organs and the detox pathways in the body, 
they're already overburdened because the diets are so poor. So they're not available to work on clearing out the toxins from the vaccines. So think of it, if you actually have a clean diet and the detoxification and eliminatory systems and eliminatory organs are actually working at optimal levels, they're ready to take on things that are coming in. But when they have so many toxins in queue, it doesn't have enough time to get to the toxins from the vaccines. And by the time it gets to them, those toxins in the vaccines have had enough time to actually do damage. So if you have a clean diet, a good healthy lifestyle, um, you're actually very healthy, you don't already have existing things, you can actually take these vaccines with more confidence because you can be confident that your immune system or the one of your loved ones, of course, is strong and can eliminate these toxic chemicals before they go to work to cause damage, especially that neurological diet, that neurological damage that we were talking about. So I've been vaccinated and uh, I know many people have been um, we're lucky that vaccines were available at single doses back in the day. Uh, and that's, that's how I received them. Nothing was actually blended. There wasn't, uh, many things in the same vaccine, the way they do it now, the MMR, which obviously targets three dip different diseases. Um, and they use mercury, like I said, in the form of thimerosal, and that's a preservative. That's why it's actually introduced into vaccines because it's looked at as a preservative. So when you get a single dose that contains smaller amounts, um, when they have three particular viruses, they obviously have to increase uh, the dose of thimerosal or even the flu vaccines. They try to put in as many, uh, as many of the strains of that particular virus to be able to um, protect against any of those strains that might be the one that's actually going to be the prevalent one. So... Single doses have less thimerosal, higher doses have more thimerosal. Makes sense that if you have a small amount, it's easier for the body to clear a small amount than to clear a large amount. So what I'm trying to say is that I was actually very fortunate in that regard, but I know that the children of today are being uh, injured uh, and have severe side effects uh, because they're injected with vaccines that contain more adjuvants and more chemicals, more thimerosal, and less of the actual thing that the body is looking to, to actually make antibodies against. So that's basically all I have to say about vaccines. I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn or find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, I invite you to go to simonegisandi.com. You will find my, uh, all my contact information there. You're able to connect with me. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Detoxification, the Fountain of True Eternal Health podcast. Thank you for letting me share my story with you. Um, I appreciate your attention. And if you like the show, you might want to check out uh, my website, like I said, simonegisandi.com. Uh, I am available to, to work with you if you need any more questions answered. 
Um, as I said, make sure you visit me on Instagram. You can find me at the.detox.doctor. On LinkedIn, I am as Simone Gisandi. And of course, the, the website has all my contact information. Uh, please share, subscribe to the show on, uh, on iTunes um, or via RSS so you never miss an episode that I upload. And if you find if you find value in the shows that I actually put out, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. Um, or perhaps maybe you want to share it with a friend or simply tell a friend about the show. That would really help out as well. And I will see you with the next episode on my podcast. I wish you a great day.